0: We're kind of in the third week of this five-part message series called Stand. And we're looking at five different stories from the book of Daniel. If you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open them up to Daniel chapter 6. One of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, Daniel chapter 6. Week number one, two weeks ago, we talked about how to stand out when God has called us to be different. Last week, we talked about to stand up for what is right and what is true, even when others don't agree with what you have to say. And today, actually next week, we're going to be talking about how to stand in faith and believe God in prayer. Because how many of you know that we are a product of prayer? We are where we are today and who we are today because of the generations that have gone before us that have prayed for us. Yes. And we're here today because of those prayers. But today we're going to be talking about a very special story. And if you grew up in church and in Sunday school, you've probably heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And one of the challenges is when you talk about this story is a lot of times the kid version of the story talks about how Daniel was a handsome young man that... He was in the pit with these cuddly lions and used them as a pillow and everything was just great and just dandy, right? But if we know the true story and the context of, 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 of history here, we know that that isn't exactly how the story is to be read. And we're going to be talking about it today because what you need to know that Daniel at this point in his life isn't that young handsome boy anymore. He's about 80 years old. And he's lived with God for the the most largest portion of his life and he's seen God and he's seen people in the good and he's seen them in the bad. And he's walked with God through all of those seasons. So Daniel has a different perspective of life at this stage. Right? He knows it and nothing really scares him much anymore because he's seen God come through for him over many years. So We're talking about Daniel here and what God has done in his life. We're talking about these lions. and we go to the zoo, we have a great zoo here in Oklahoma City. Now, if you've ever been to the zoo here, you know that it's a lot of walking. I hear some laughing because you know it's true. There's a lot of walking. And we usually spend quite a bit of time at the lions because they're such amazing creatures. As a matter of fact, the last time that we went... It was during a fall festival type event and Israel, who's now eight, dressed up in like a lion's costume. And so we're walking along the zoo. We get to the lion's exhibit and he gets right up to the glass. And I don't know if the, if the mama lion thought that, um, that he was one of the cubs, but she got up real close, stood up nice, big and tall, began to scratch the glass and we've got it on video. It's one of the most amazing things. But it brought to me the reality of this story because lions aren't always these cute and cuddly things. They are these animals that in this day and age were bred to kill people. That's what they did, and they would eat the meat. So Daniel, so we're talking about the context of Daniel and the lion's den. And what I want to do is I want to talk about the story and give you just a little bit of brief history Before we dive in. But first I want us to pray. And I want you to pray for me. uh, That God would allow me to deliver this word. The way that he would want me to. Okay would you help me pray. God I thank you for this opportunity I have to preach. God I thank you for this opportunity I have to share the word of God. With a loving congregation. A loving church. God I pray Lord that you'd be with me as I speak this morning. That Lord they wouldn't hear me but they would hear you. God, I pray that somebody this morning may be transformed, not because of what I say, but because of the power of the living God. Because the power of His Word. So God, I'm believing right now that you do with me what you did with Moses. When you told him, I will be his mouth as you speak. And God, I pray that for everybody in this room, that you would open up their eyes to see, their ears to hear, and their minds to know the truth of your Word. Remove the blinders from our eyes. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. So Daniel chapter 6, we're going to see here that he's actually serving under king number 3. We talked about king, king Neb and how he was one of the most evil kings in the entire Bible. But now we're going to talk about Darius, King Darius. And history records him as a genius. He was an administrative genius. King Darius had everything organized. He was one of the most organized kings, and as a matter of fact, he he set up systems within the kingdom that helped them to succeed, and one of the things that he did was he put three admins over a group of people, and Daniel was actually one of them, and their job was to protect the king, to levy the taxes, to guard the money. They were there to balance the national checkbook. Wouldn't that be nice? Probably. So Daniel chapter 6, we go into this, and if we start in verse number 1, here's what the Bible says. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel is so distinguished himself among the admins and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. Now I want you to take note here that all throughout his life we see him as standing out. There's nothing about him that hides behind the scenes or just blends in. No, Daniel was positioned by God to stand out in a culture that didn't always agree with what he had to say. And he stood out. And so, and here's what happened. He, he had such, such amazing ability to relate with people. So much so that he was put in a position to where he would at one day, except for the king, be the most powerful man in the kingdom. And the other people didn't like that very much. The king looks on to Daniel and he says he is head and shoulders above anyone else serving in my kingdom. And if it may sound great on the outside, because Daniel's sitting here saying, "Man, the favor of God rests richly on me," the, but the reality in the situation is simply this that it looked like promotion from the outside but actually it introduced a lot of problems for him on the inside the two other admins they get jealous And they changed their attitude towards Daniel. Once a person that they loved and admired, but now because he's got a position that they wanted, now all of a sudden they don't like him so much. And they began to say things like, well, we're going to take this guy out. We're going to accuse him of things that he never did. And we're going to get him out of this position because I'm jealous and I want the job that he's got. We're going to take him down. And in that spirit, the Bible talks about how they go after him. But we're going to watch Daniel stand strong with a supernatural strength that only comes in a long-term developed relationship with the living God. You see, you want to know how today to stand in the face of people that oppose you and still come out on top? It takes a consistent relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is what Daniel had. So I want to talk to you today from Daniel 6, and I want to show you some truths to help you stand strong in the face of people that don't like what you've got. And number one, the point that I want to bring to you today is simply this. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Now you say, PC, why are we preaching this? Because this isn't a feel-good type. You know, we're people. We're supposed to love each other. And you're right. We're supposed to build each other up. We're supposed to support each other. But the reality is we live in a culture that if they want something that you've got, they're going to do whatever they can to take it away from you so that they can have it. You see, when God promotes you and raises you up, expect people to tear you down. I don't know how this might come about in your life, but let's say you receive this promotion. And a lot of times the people you think would be the most excited and happy for you become the most critical that you have that spot that, 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 that they want. Or maybe God speaks to you to do something that may not be popular within culture and you're raised up, but people begin to tear you down. You see, people call that as the crab syndrome. Here in America, it's called the crab syndrome because what happens is you put crabs inside of this bucket and when one little crab decides to brave and reach up to grab the outside of the edge of that bucket and pull himself out, the other crabs in there begin to reach up and pull him back down. In other countries, they call it the um, poppy syndrome. It's whenever a, um, a, a plant grows tall, another comes behind it to chop it at its base. Because whenever somebody rises up, people often take shots at those who are more successful than they are. And we see this within this passage in Daniel chapter 6. Here, here's what it says. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel... In his conduct of government affairs. But what's it say? I love it. But they were unable to do so. In other words, if we can find some dirt in his closet... If we can search social media and if we can go to all their friends and we can talk about him behind his back and we get people comfortable, maybe we can get him to that place where they'll start to say things about Daniel that they don't want us to know. And then in turn, I can use that against him and I can take that job. That never happens, right? It goes on to say they could find no corruption in him. Why? Because he was trustworthy and and neither corrupt nor negligent. And lastly, these men said we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. We tried to dig up dirt on him, but this guy has been so good, we can't find anything wrong with him. So hey... Let's start something about this God that he serves. And I see this so much in culture today. I see this happening because they, they devised this plot to attack him. And it sounds like, you know, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. But hey, let's attack his God. Let's take prayer out of schools. Let's take the commandments out of the courtrooms. Let's begin to limit during COVID how much a church can worship. Let's begin to do all these things because church, we can't find anything wrong with them. But if we can devise a plan against their God, maybe we can tear them down. And one of the problems that I find is I find this to be Western Christians. That so often we believe that if I'm serving God, then I shouldn't face anybody that would oppose me. That I shouldn't have any hard times because if I serve God, He's a loving God and He's a giving God. And I should never go through a hard time. But the reality is that's just not true. Because we battle not against the flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. And whenever we're moving the kingdom ahead, we can always expect resistance of some type. Hear this. And I want to say this the right way and I want you to hear this coming from a loving pastor today because the prince of darkness uses people and sometimes well-meaning people in, in your life. And in mind, And he can use them to tear you down But let me tell you something If we can stand in the face of what we know is true We don't battle against people We don't battle against flesh We don't argue with our friends We don't create um, um, any type of a division within the church But rather we go to battle with each other Hands locked together And say we know what this truly is Attack from the enemy And we're not going to allow this to divide us I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. That's why I never worry. Now, you know, people are like PC, how do you handle when people come against you? And I can honestly, and I wish I could stand here and say that I never worry about it, right? That I never have a hard time. That I never go home and question myself. But we're human. That's what we do. But let me tell you something. When God is in the middle of it, there's nothing that you should worry about. When I'm doing something for the glory of God, there will be those that oppose. See, Daniel is standing out. Daniel is standing up. He's standing strong. And sure enough, there comes people who oppose him, as many of you may be even experiencing now. These two admins were like, hey, we've got to stop him, so what do we do? So we read the story, and basically what they did was they buttered up the king. Now, I don't know how they did this. They could have been like, man, king, you sure are looking great today. Man, what you did yesterday, I mean, that was was perfect. I've never seen a king do it quite like you did. I don't know how they buttered him up, but they did it in such a way where they went to this king and said, Hey, king, how about this? How about you issue a law, maybe even a decree, that over the next month nobody can pray to any god except you. And if they prayed to another god because they knew Daniel, they knew his life, they knew what he did, they knew he prayed. They knew that he had already predecided three times a day, I'm going to pray to God. They knew this. So they went to the king and said, "Hey, if we catch somebody praying to any God but you, let's throw him into the lion's then." And the king Darius, like many kings, were very vulnerable to pride. And even though he knew that he wasn't a god, kings loved to be treated as gods. So they said, you know what, guys? Sure, that sounds fair. So let's create a decree. Let's create a law that if anybody prays to any other god but me for the next month, there'll be lion's lunch, and that would be the rule. And I want you to listen to how the Bible puts this in the Daniel chapter 6, verse number 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May king Darius live forever. Building up his ego, building up that pride. The royal admins, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next month except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now you, your majesty, you see what they're doing? issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now this created a problem for Daniel. Because the other administrators knew that Daniel was a great man of prayer. It's interesting. God help me. It's interesting today that if somebody made a law like that, I wonder how many people would worry about you because they knew you were a person of prayer. You see, they knew Daniel. They knew everything about his life. They knew that three times a day he would go and pray to his God. How many people would say that about me, Pastor? I know you're a man of prayer. I know that you seek God over everything. I know that you don't worry about much. I know you're a man of God. So if we create this decree, how many people knew that it would affect me? And I'm telling you today, church, prayer sometimes is all we've got. When situations seem beyond our control and when situations seem to where I can't handle this any, anymore, we try to do things our way and it just doesn't seem to work. And, and sometimes God is saying, Hey, I've been here the whole time. Where, why haven't you just trusted me? So the first option here would be to just not pray. He's 80 years old. It would have been real easy to say, God, you know, man... We've been tight for 80 years. I know that I'm better to you alive than dead, so hey, why don't I just stop praying for a month? It'd be fine, right? I'll come back to you after a month, but then you read stats and it shows that it takes a month to create good, ha- good and bad habits. So Daniel's sitting here like, well, if I decide to do this and I don't pray for an entire month, maybe that will create a habit in my life where I don't pray anymore. He said I can't do that Or the next thing that he could have done Is quite honestly what I probably would have done If we're just honest And said what if I just pray quietly Nobody has to know (laughs) I'll just do it in quiet I'm still praying right We We can justify that But side note here to this message, let me just say it. If you have to justify a relationship with God, then your priorities aren't in order. We cannot justify. So Daniel sat there. He said, option three is the only option I've got. That I'm going to keep praying publicly, praying aloud, and risk death. And that's what he was willing to do because he was a man of faith. Because he was a man of prayer. Now I'm asking the question, what in the world built that kind of faith in him that he was saying, hey, I'm willing to stand up to the opposition in my life knowing that my God has my back? Because point number two is simply this, kneeling to pray is what gave him the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what what gives him the strength to stand. Verse 10 is so powerful. I want you to read this. He says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Help me now. Just as he always did. Nothing changed about his life. He said there is no government, there is no person that's going to change how I worship God. I'm going to do it, whatever, regardless of what you say I should or should not do. My relationship with Him is most important for, for, for me. So you do what you got to, King, but I've got to pray to my God. That's what he did. And I want you to notice... What Daniel did. You see our first response to trials should never be panic. Many times it is. Because we're human. We're flesh. We panic when things don't go the way that we need them to. See our first response to trials should be to pray. Our first response should never be panic but to pray. But you see even our language sometimes. Gives just how little we value the privilege of prayer. I want you to listen to to this think about it oh we'll do everything we can oh we're gonna try to make this better and when we've done everything within our power our language gives us away when 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 we say well now i guess all we can do now is pray when god's sitting there it's like prayer is all you had to begin with Too many times we rely on how we should do things. What's the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways trust Him. That's what we should do. Our first response should never be to handle things our way, but our first response should always be handle things God's way, which has come to Him with a posture of prayer and worship and say God I can't do this on my own God the only way that I'm going to get through this is with the power of the Holy Spirit working in me so God I'm yours I'm here whatever you need me to do that's what I'll do and that's what Daniel did listen all we can do is pray we come before the throne room of God. We have access to the very creator of the universe. We have this this, this audience with God who cares about the intimate needs in our life. We, we petition to Him. He hears the cries of those who humble themselves before Him. We talk to God and He hears us. And I want you to notice what Daniel did not do. He didn't make it a public show. He didn't reach his head out to the window and say... Hey, guys, just want you to know, I'm doing this my way. No, he just continued to do just as he had always done. What he knew that God had told him to do, which was pray to him. Because he understood that I need God in the morning. He said, I need God in the middle of the day, and I need him before I go to sleep. I need him three times a day. and You can can try try to manipulate that. You can can try to control this. But I'm telling you what, my God... Will help me. So he didn't make it a public show. He didn't announce it. He didn't announce it just like in the chapter 1. When he said hey. I'm not going to eat the food that you tell me to eat. He announced it in chapter 3. When he said king. I'm just going to be honest with you. You asked me to interpret this dream. Well here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you how, it, how it, 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 it is. He knew his God was going to come through for him but i'm absolutely convinced that so much of the success of his life was based on the fact that he predecided to pray. He predecided not to eat the food because somewhere in his life probably decades before the moment, he made the decision. He said i seek God in prayer three times a day. He said i need to hear his voice. He said, He's been good to me, so I'm gonna be good to him. He said, I need to walk by his spirit, I need his ongoing strength, I need the intimacy that comes with communion with him. It was predecided, and I don't know about you today, but I'm gonna say it. If you haven't predecided to get to know God, chances are you won't ever. If you have no plan, you plan to fail. If there is not a predetermined plan of how you want to grow in in intimacy with God, I can almost guarantee you, you won't get there. For me, I read. I love to read. Whenever I have free time, I I I open up a book and I read. I pray just the other night, and I don't say this to say, Hey, y'all pat me on the back. I don't say that at all. I just want to tell you what I do couple nights ago, Megan and I, the kids had gone to bed. It was kind of our time to just sit and relax. And and Megan put on a song on, 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 on her phone and we just worshipped. Because we were going through some stress. We had some decisions we had to make and we didn't know what to do. And I said, you know what, let's, let's just pray. So the Holy Spirit came into that room and gave us such a peace that the Bible says is beyond our understanding. A peace that you can't explain, but once you know the peace, you know the peace, you know it, and you're not afraid anymore. You know exactly what to do because the Bible says to let the peace of God rule your heart. We knew exactly what to do. I want you to notice how he prayed, though. Daniel knelt before God. How did he have the strength to stand strong? He was able to stand before people because he had the strength to kneel before the presence of an almighty God. Listen to me. If you've never knelt to God in prayer, you're missing out on one of the most powerful postures of humility that you can ever face. You see, I believe posture matters. You see, when I kneel down, and oftentimes you think of just this little kid kneeling by the bed or, you know, just kneeling down on the floor. Listen, when you kneel down, there's a sense of reverence. There's a sense of humility. There's a sense of I can't do this on my own, God, so that I need you. And that's what Daniel did. You know, for some people, and I've done this plenty of times in my life, I I, I don't just kneel, I have to lay flat. Sometimes I just lay down because I want God to know that that I'm so low right now, you're so high in my life. I want you to know, God, that I can't do anything on my own power, but God, I need you to help me. You see, we've got to get to this place of posture of humility where you say, God, all these things are happening around me. They're beyond my control. I don't know what to do. But God, I still trust in you. Listen, when life knocks you down, sometimes that's the most powerful place to be because you're in a posture where you say, God, I'm ready to receive from you. Now, I don't know how this is going to happen with you, but at some point, if you love Christ, you're you're going to take a stand. At some point, you're going to face a situation where you have to have courage. And it, it could be against this, this issue in our culture. It could be that you take a stand in your neighborhood. It could be that your kid doesn't, doesn't you know, act right and, and, and your kids aren't doing what you know that they should do. And sometimes as a parent, you have to stand up and say, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You could be upset with me. Look, I was dragged to church my entire life. There were times I didn't want to go, but my mom and dad made sure I was in church every single week. And let me tell you something. Today I'm grateful. There's times when my kids wake up. Listen, Aiden woke up this morning and being, Dad, do I have to go? Yes, you have to go. And it's not because I'm just going to make you. It's because I know the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you can get into the presence of God, all things are possible. But I want to say this, though, as we kind of get into point three. This Daniel and the Lion's Den story, it's not a Disney movie. This is real life with a sovereign God whose ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than ours. He'll he'll often do things that don't make sense that cause us to question why. And there's times in our life, can I tell you, that God may never answer that why. He may just say, trust me. So I cannot promise you that when you kneel before an almighty God that everything's going to work out just the way that you want it to. But I can promise you this. The only promise that I can make you today is when you do what's right, point number three, you can always trust God with what happens. So here's the part that's so hard for us to understand. Daniel didn't know the end of the story when he was into the middle of it. Daniel didn't know how it was going to end up for him. He didn't know that he'd be a Sunday school lesson. He didn't know that centuries later that people were going to talk about the faith that he had in God. All he knew was that I had to pray. The king was going to hear me. I was going to get tossed into this lion's den and I don't know what's going to happen next. But he knew knew that for 80 years God had always been good to him. So he said, I'm always going to be good to my God. So no matter what happened next, he decided to be good. So here's what happens. God, I love this part of this story. King Darius is devastated. He's upset. He liked Daniel. He loved him so much he was going to make him the next person in charge. He was devastated. I want you to listen to to, to this. It says, Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. They're a bunch of tattletellers. When the king heard this, watch what it said. He was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, you put a decree in place. They trapped him. They trapped him. And now he had to see it through. They came to him and said, remember that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Huh. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Now listen to this. Listen very carefully. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, rescue you. The king knew. The king felt the presence of God. Now, we don't know what happens down there. All we know is that what doesn't happen. We don't know if Daniel just got down there and was like worshiping God, or we don't know if he was afraid, or we don't know, I mean, he was human. We have no clue. All that we know is that by the power of God, God shut the mouths of those lions. I believe with all my heart this is a literal story that reflects the goodness and the power of God in the life of Daniel. And in the morning, here's what happens. The first thing King Darius does is he gets up. He runs over there and says, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? Has your God, and I love the phrase, listen to this, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, whom you never quit on, whom you kept praising, who you kept praying to, who you kept worshiping, when everybody told you that you can't pray anymore, when everybody said you've got to stop worship, that God who you never quit on, has he saved you? Do you hear this today? That in the face of opposition, that if you do what's right, I can't promise you how it will turn out, but if you do what's right, you can trust God with what happens next. Verse 22, Daniel says, My God sent His angel, and He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me Because I was found innocent in his sight Nor have I ever done any wrong before you Your majesty The king was what? He was overjoyed And he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den And when Daniel was lifted No wound was found in him Why? Because he trusted in his God Somebody shout and give the Lord praise he had trusted in his god but you see there were two guys that didn't do what was right can i say today that god always has the last word that when no fault is found in you and when you do what you know is right and you're innocent in the sight of God and he looks down at you and says, well done. And he says, great job, son. He said, you did exactly how I wanted you to do that. You may have not understood the why at the time. You may not have knew why, but you trusted me anyway. And, and here's what he said. I'm going to take care of you because of the faith you have in me. So what happens next? It says, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed their bones. Huh. <laughs> then, watch this. King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language on the earth. Whew. He said, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, for he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of these lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Because Daniel was good to God, God was good to Daniel. Do you hear that today? That when people oppose you and tell you you've got to do something different, when you believe God and you're good to Him, He's good right back to you. Amen. Amen. So I hope that you can get this message today that says don't worry. Don't worry when people oppose you. Worry when they don't because when you're doing kingdom things and you pro- and you progress the word of god ahead people will oppose and how you stand in the face of the opposition says everything and some of you i hope that there's a spirit that would convict you right now to say hey i can't play games anymore I can't play games anymore. My priorities have to get back in order. I've got to spend my time with God. I've got to pray to God. I've got to do what's right because we battle not against flesh and blood but against powers and the principalities of this dark world we stand firm in the faith we put on this armor of God the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith the sword of the spirit which is the word of God the belt of truth our shoes are prepared with the gospel the readiness the peace of our good God and we will stand firm no matter what we stand firm and when we've done everything else the Bible says we stand when culture tells me to it, I stand when they tell me I can't pray I stand when they tell me I can't worship I stand when they tell me that healing is not possible I stand I stand on the power of the living word of God God I've heard you, I've heard your prayer, I know how difficult it's been I know the anguish that you feel. I know the anxiety that's in your heart. But child of God, I promise you that if you will stand for me, I will take care of every step that you will walk from here to the end until I come back to g- bring you to heaven. I am telling you right now and I promise my decree is that as a child of God, you will be good. <sighs> I don't know who that's for today. But there's somebody that's been faced with a a choice that they have literally cried over nightly where it's taken away sleep, it's taken away joy, it's taken away your peace. And I'm telling you, if you stand for what you know is true, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. God, I want us to close out this service this morning doing a little bit of what Daniel did by praying. He decided that in this moment there is nothing more important than giving God praise. The band is going to come. They're going to play a song. And I want to open these altars. You may be going through a situation beyond your control right now. And I want to challenge you. Listen to this, Pastor. This is a challenge. I've said it and I'll say it again. This altar space is nothing special. It's just carpet and wood. It's a concrete floor. It's wooden steps. There's nothing special about it. But when it's a time of altar, when you come into the presence of an almighty God, something changes and you experience the power of a living God when you walk into His presence. Some of you are facing opposition. It may be from a child. It may be from a spouse. It may be from a job. It it, it may be from school. I don't know where it's from. But you face opposition in some sort. And God is telling you today. He, He is promising you that if you'll stand for me. I'll take care of you.